You ready? Yep. How about you? Yep. Start it up. Podcasting from beautiful East Tennessee and brought to you by BRV Studios, this is Have You Heard, our show that brings up random news and crazy events and a lot of other topics you've probably never heard of. For instance, have you heard of the petting zoo that got turned into a snack? What about the murder case solved with iPhone heart rate data? Or that you can now buy real stocks and actual people? We cover this and a whole lot more. Here is episode 42 from the Big Red Van, featuring for a second time, Jared Ernzen. Welcome, everybody. Here we are, episode 42. 42. H-Y-H. Welcome, everybody. We have in from us all the way from the great state of Kansas, Jernzen. A really (laughs) (laughs) great friend of mine, Jared Ernzen. Thanks for coming in, Jared. You're in town for some business, and you decided to let us pick you up for a ride in the van. So Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the last couple times have been long distance uh, yeah, over the van phone. connections over the phone. So he's really um, super he's excited here. to be here. Yeah, man, we appreciate a it a smooth, lot. Smooth van ride. I think you got exhibit to uh, to pimp the ride out here because it looks great in the studio. Thank, Hayden thank did you. some remodeling in here. so It's nice. We have more room for activities. A <laughs> lot more room for activities. You took out some cabinets. Like, legitimate took the saw to this place. So it looks great in here. Um, but you have a very interesting follow-up slash lead-in talk yeah, for so us. Yeah, so when I was trying to find some content for, the, for tonight, I stumbled across a follow-up to the K2... Which was on last episode. Yeah. So somebody died now. I was talking to follow people up in case you didn't catch episode 41. I had talked about a story of people smoking synthetic marijuana in the Chicago area and bleeding from any possible orifice (laughs) of their body. Like eyes, ears, nose, butthole. All places. Weenus. All of them. So it's blood's coming. (laughs) Pissing blood. Shitting blood. Bleeding. Chicago, where uh, on the March 28th, a man actually died. It from led to a death, finally. Yeah, it. Uh, so, of course, he was a bleeder, and he died. So, uh, upon toxicology report of his, of his uh, autopsy, he had, like, rat poison in him from the, the K2. Whoa. Uh, specifically... Like arsenic? It was brodafacoum, which is uh, an anticoagulant that's used in, uh, in rat poison. But, yeah, dude died. From the K2. Mm. That's so, crazy. Yeah. If you even need another reason to not smoke that stuff, here you go. Did the article say somebody. anything about the follow-up of like where they're getting this stuff from? Because the one I read, obviously, was just the beginning of it. But it's still in the Chicago area. Yeah. They don't know who's doing it. No. This is going to be an interesting thing. This reminds me of, I think it was also in the Chicago area. Jared, you might know. When the guy that was going around back in the day tainting, uh, poisoning Tylenol bottles. Was that in Chicago? It was in the Chicago area. So there was... Have you ever heard the story of the guy that was going into grocery stores? And this is the reason why now all Tylenol bottles have that film over the top of it. It was a guy that was going in, opening up bottles of Tylenol and like poisoning the pills. Mm -hmm. And then random people would be dying from it. And yeah, it was in the Chicago area. Jeez. 60s maybe? Maybe even earlier than that? 60s or 70s? 60s, 70s, somewhere in that. Yeah, that's. I wonder if this is like a copycat kind of thing, if this is somebody that's trying to do something like that. 
I don't know. repeating history from the Chicago area. I guess that's a good it's point. A sick well, what I, I guess what I was curious is, is that just a byproduct chemical that's in it? And it's only in the it's just Chicago area, though. That's what's kind of worrying me about it oh. is making me because they've mm. only been able to keep it contained. And like if you looked at it on a map of hot spots, it's in like a circle. I see what you mean. So the K2 <clears throat> from there has see, got problems. Yeah. I mean, the K2 from Milwaukee, they aren't having people bleeding out in emergency rooms. It's the, all over the country. It's the, here in Knoxville. Yeah. You can go up the street to, I don't want to say the gas station because those guys, you, there's gas stations all over <laughs> Knoxville <laughs> that you can go to and buy this stuff. So this and stuff people can, aren't bleeding out here. So this stuff can be made anywhere, the actual K2, like the non-tainted stuff. Is it grown or how is I it? I thought it was like literally made of like uh, flower petals or something, okay. but then they spray. It's like fake leaves. A yeah. chemical onto it. That, okay. that is the, the what makes you hot. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like almost like a potpourri, yeah. like it dried flower petals of certain kinds of flowers and stuff. That's how it's. I guess I don't know. Yeah, so whoever use the magic yeah. word. That's how it's legal. It's considered a potpourri. Yeah, yeah. Whoever's distributing that stuff to the Chicago area is lacing it and messing with a lot of people. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But we've got you in. You are. One of our biggest fans, uh, earliest fans. You were the first person to write a review on the show. Obviously a close friend of mine. You know how this show works. Absolutely. So you are not a rookie to HYH. You know what your duties were as a guest. You brought a couple stories, it looks like. Yep, I You're did. Re- you ready to go? You two ready to go? Mm-hmm. All right, guys, let's do it. Everybody have you heard? About an unconventional welcome sign that greets visitors in western Georgia. Okay. Um, like a billboard or? Um yeah, yeah. Basically, you know how, like, when you're driving on the interstate and there's the sign that says, Welcome to wherever. Yeah. Okay? One of those kinds the of signs. The land of Lincoln. You know, and they and they generally have, like, a saying, you know, like, attached underneath it or something like that, and maybe they'll change it from time to time, whatever. Like, it's, like, their local sign for that county. So, it's um, the Harris County Sheriff's Office are the people that upkeep this sign. Um, and it's just on the Alabama border on uh, western Georgia. And so... <laughs> I guess they were trying to address the any would-be criminals that are trying to cross into Georgia. So the sign says... Because those are the only people you need to address. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> it says, Welcome to Harris County, Georgia. Our citizens have concealed weapons. If you kill someone, we might kill you back. We have one jail and 356 cemeteries. Enjoy your stay, Sheriff Mike Jolly. <laughs> <laughs> so is that like a promise or a warning? Ah! <sighs> The sheriff said it's his, like, saucy way of welcoming people to his county while at the same time warning them that a number of the citizens exercise their right to bear arms. Did he actually say saucy? Yeah, those are his words. Perfect. Sorry, that was a quote. Saucy. I should have said quote. He basically says, if you come and put someone's life in danger in Harris County, you stand the risk of being put in danger yourself. The sign, they put it up last Tuesday, and, uh... Amid a uh, a big national debate, of course, over the Second Amendment rights wake of, in the wake of all these mass shootings that we've had. But anyway, Sheriff Mike Jolly says he's giving out-of-towners fair notice about what they can expect when coming into his county. Fair notice. <laughs> fair notice. <laughs> he also goes on to say Georgia is very much a Second Amendment state, and Harris County is a strong Second Amendment county. No way. So in 2012, a U.S. government accountability office, which investigates matters for Congress that studied state law, gun laws across the country, Florida was found to have the highest number of uh, concealed carry permits 
followed by Pennsylvania and then Georgia. So Georgia is number three on the list of most citizens mm. with a concealed carry permit. Just overall most citizens, of, of all not th- a per capita percentage? No, it's just total number is what huh. it says here. Um, but Florida, being number one, was at 887,000 people have one. And in Georgia, uh, it's 600,000. But Jolly said also that over the past several years, concealed carry permits in Harris County have tripled. Hence, kind of his boasting about, like, you come to my county and try and kill somebody, we're going to kill you. Are they a stand-your-ground state where, probably like, you know, you come fight me, I shoot you, hmm. kill you, I'm free? I don't know. I Do think that's those? only Texas. Oh, it's only Texas. Good point. In all seriousness, though, seriousness, though, he said, we want people to come and enjoy Harris County, but we want them to do it in a safe manner, and we want them to know that they're going to be safe when they get here. Do the blind people get to have a permit, too? That's only an island in, in <laughs> Harris <laughs> I don't know how hard it is to get one in, in, in Georgia, but um, it's not the first time that Sheriff Jolly has made national news with his welcome signs, though. In 2015, he posted an un- unusual declaration when wishing people a Merry Christmas. It said, warning. <laughs> okay. Warning. Harris County is politically incorrect. We say Merry Christmas, God bless America, and in God we trust. We salute our troops and our flag. If this offends you, leave. Oh, that was him? (laughs) Whoa. That was him. Oh, okay. I saw that. I remember that, too. Yeah. Jolly said he decided to speak up with, with this sign because over the years he had watched the silent majority grow even more silent. And it's time for the quote-unquote silent majority to stand up for our beliefs and not be ashamed. I'm really mad that I can't be rude as hell yeah, all the yeah, time. I know, right? <laughs> why can't Why can't I publicly bash the people that I hate? Oh, I picture Harris County being one of those places where every house on the block has that old man that's sitting on the porch going, Get off my yeah, lawn. Yeah, Gran Torino <laughs> style. Yeah. yeah. A bunch of old Clint Eastwoods. But the sheriff also said that he doesn't, doesn't mind a little controversy. He said, I've been in office a long time, and he really does truly like to stir the pot. He well, says. of course, and it's small. He's been in office a long time because of the small town mentality that that place oh, yeah. has. Could you imagine you're on the road wherever, whatever road goes through this county in Alabama, and then you're crossing into Georgia, and you read the sign that says "Warning" as the greeting sign when you're driving in? I just, I just couldn't. Yeah. This guy's on a different level. Everybody, have you heard? So Apple is starting to help out in some murder investigations. So you and I kind of talked a little bit off air about this topic, but we'll get into that. More and more, the heated debate of who should be able to have access to our phones in the event of a crime has come into the headlines. And from any captured terrorist that we are trying to get info off of their devices to, say, any domestic crime that happens, where does the line get drawn with the creator of the phone's software in terms of helping law enforcement? So here's the incident of Carolyn Nielsen from Australia, who's been charged with murder of her mother-in-law at her home back in 2016. So after data collected from the victim's Apple Watch, Carolyn's story started to more and more fall apart. When interviewed after the incident, Carolyn told police that a group of men invaded her home, tied her up, and killed her mother-in-law, which according to her account was an act that took about 20 or so minutes to take place. Using the watch's heart rate data, investigators saw a spike in activity followed by an abrupt slowdown in movement the day of the incident on the victim's watch. They were able to narrow the events of the murder down to a seven-minute window, which meant Carolyn was either lying or way off in the ability to tell time. 
So trial is waiting to reconvene in June, and that's when it will be decided if the Apple Watch data will be accepted as evidence. And this is the second instance this just this year where Apple health data has been used as evidence in a murder trial. Hmm. In Germany, a third-party company examined the data to recreate one man's timeline during what they presumed was like this murderous rampage he went on, obviously countering the story that he gave investigators. And when his attorneys were presented with the data evidence, he pled guilty on the spot with no other choice. Yeah, it's like you can obviously see the pattern of events if they don't match the timeline of when you should have a high heart rate and when you shouldn't. No, (laughs) man, at 5 o'clock, you definitely weren't running for your life. You were sitting chilling. So the topic's highly debatable, especially when the ones getting involved are the phone companies themselves, like in an instance where the phone may be locked. That was not the case in either of the two that I mentioned. But I'm sure the laws have had to change so damn rapidly with the evolution of technology and what our rights protect and what they don't. Because... Your computer's fair game, you know? Hmm. If somebody raids your house, your computer, they don't have to call up Dell and say, hey, can I get into this person's computer? It's locked. They just get one of their forensics IT people to crack your computer, and they don't ask any questions. So how is a phone any different is kind of my question. I think it's... uh, Where does the data that Apple has access to that maybe an IT person may not, because it's on a cloud or something somewhere, how does that be protected in our rights and stuff? I think partially the phone thing you're talking about like the encryption technology that that companies have put into phones especially starting with the blackberry like the blackberry was supposed to be like unhackable i can't remember how many digits of like randomized coding to like all of its encryptions that it had but basically like the blackberry was a very impossibly difficult phone to hack into and i think that kind of went along with modern phone technology especially iphones like they're really hardcore into that so like if you don't know the password, like, you just ain't getting in, you know, is kind of how they've designed their software. Like, even they probably have, they pro- I mean, you know, I'm sure they have the backdoor way of getting in as a manufacturer. I th- what you're getting to is, like, what is it? Is it, is it, should they breach your privacy or does the severity of crime matter? Yeah. You know, is it is it ever going to breach your privacy or is there ever that line that's black and white that just you will not ever breach this? I don't think the sheriff's office could just like hack your phone. You know what I mean? Well, how about the FBI? But what about the FBI involved? Maybe they even have trouble with it. They do. That's what I mean is like, so you're talking about like their home computer. Like they probably, yeah, could hack this home computer, but maybe that iPhone is a lot more difficult than that home computer. It is, especially Mm -hmm. when it involves a backup on that phone, backup to the cloud, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like, I read an article a couple months ago that I decided not to bring to the the show for some reason or another that was about um, someone being prosecuted, a company being prosecuted, and they had all of this data backed up on Microsoft servers, but the servers were stationed overseas in Germany or something. But because Microsoft's headquarters were in the United States, the United States Justice Department was claiming that Microsoft should give up that data even though it was held on a server that was somewhere else and microsoft's stance was to protect our users or our clients we don't have to give up this data and it's not in our servers in the united states so therefore you don't have access to it so it was getting microsoft in the middle of the justice department and this other entity that they were trying to prosecute and microsoft was basically the one that said no i'm not we're not going to give it to you well it sets a precedent like as soon as they say here's this person's stuff like we're just going to let you have it 
then what's to stop them from any other case out there of just saying, well, since we've done it a hundred other times, and yeah, here you go, here you go, mm. here you go. And then maybe it's just the normal thing for them to just give up your information the second the police come calling for it. Flip side of that, what's to keep criminals from just using those services illicitly, knowing that that's the case? You know, and I guess yeah. that's that's the law enforcement side of it. So there's two sides to every, every one of those, but that's what I meant when I said it's a cool discussion to have. Who protects our rights? Is it Apple or is it the Justice Department? <laughs> yeah, I think you hit on it earlier. The encryption technology is so good in the Apple phones that that was the first time that if the CIA or FBI needed to get into somebody's phone to get some information, they couldn't do it. And so they had to go to, and I can't remember. I, I It was the San Bernardino. Th- yeah, that's uh, what it was. Is, yeah. is his mm-hmm. phone it was, was locked. Yep, his phone was locked. And so they had to go to the courts and get like a court order to get into that phone. And I'm not sure if they ever did or not. I think, I think they, they did. did. Yeah. yeah. But and, it was a big deal because they were, it was more of a, they needed it to be unlocked now. It mm-hmm. was the thing. They needed it open now just to make sure that there wasn't any other major threat. And the fact that Apple wouldn't just say, here mm-hmm. you go and like open it for him or open it for the FBI was what was the big debate yeah. like so i think i think he hit on it earlier when you said is it based on the severity of the crime? Right. Because I think in order to get the access to that information, you're probably going to have to, you know, spend some resources and get a court order to Subpoenas get that. Like, and, yeah. They're not just going to do that for every little case. It's got to be something serious. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's a good point. But I, as far as I remember, Apple kind of stood their ground. Well, on they that. have to. They like, you said something about setting a precedent of that. Mm-hmm right there would definitely and that's again why i posed it in terms of what onus does the company the software creator you know have in all of this that's Mm -hmm. why it was a third party that investigated that uh case in germany it wasn't apple it was a third party data firm that you know investigated their phone but phone wasn't locked so right everybody have you heard about the postman or former postman hey (laughs) hey wait a minute mr postman who apparently stored over 800 pounds of undelivered mail in his house. I was not expecting mail, but go ahead. <laughs> Considering the, yeah. the, you know, the theme of this show, I was <laughs> not expecting 800 pounds yeah. to be followed with mail. Actual okay. mail. I was so expecting here... <laughs> another keister story. Oh, yeah. no. Well, maybe. That's maybe in the me. mail. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Here, here's why he's upset. He gets pulled over during a random check in Italy. He lives in Italy. He gets pulled over for just some random road check, and the police comes over to his car and recognizes that there are, like, dozens of letters in the back of his seat, and he has a knife with him. So they start getting a little suspicious a little and suspicious. Follow, yeah. follow him back to his house and find all these boxes, 40 boxes to be exact of mail wow and his reasoning for not sending out any of the mail is because of some salary discrepancy where he's doesn't feel like he's getting paid enough so for four years he has just been (laughs) holding this mail four years he's like there's all sorts of bills so he goes out for his daily and he clocks in he goes down to the post office literally goes to get the mail he gets his truck filled up and then it goes back home and unloads it. <laughs> and it took four years to figure this out. That was my question. I would honestly be happy if the mailman did that with my junk mail. I'm trying to <laughs> figure out. Stamp junk mail. Here's what just baffled me, though, during the during reading this article, though, is this isn't the first time that this has happened in Italy. So I'm trying to figure out how in the world people receiving mail don't recognize this right away. Because 
I know what time the mailman comes to my house. So around that time, if I am home and I see the mailman, I know that's the time I'm getting mail. And that's just a routine check. Sure. So if it does not come around this time during the day, then I realize something's up. And then if I realize that it's You're not like, wait, coming wait, around this time of day for today? like for a week or a month or a year, you would think like a yeah. year. You would think that your neighbors would start. Hey, like, have you have, have you, gotten you gotten your mail, mail in, <laughs> yeah. in the last two months? You know. Uh, oh, okay. I, I was just me, wondering. Me neither. You know. Maybe he died. <laughs> I've been waiting on this check forever. I don't like, know. No, I saw him at the grocery store a couple weeks ago. He's definitely alive. Johnny ain't got his Christmas card yet. He was waiting on it. Ooh, that's. I wonder. I wonder Honestly, if he like pocketed a lot of uh, Christmas yeah. and birthday cards, Christmas birthday money. Yeah, I don't know. So what they do to this asshole? I'm pretty sure they're waiting on deciding. You can get punished up to at least a year in prison for doing this sort of Fucking thing. Fucking with people's mail is a big Federal deal. Federal crime, yeah. yes. And yeah, they here send you to like, Leavenworth yeah, for that. Say, you get like mm-hmm. 10 years for doing yeah. that here. Mm-hmm. That's right. But I don't know. They seem a little more lax in Italy because the last guy who did it actually happened in January, and he stored over a 1,000 pounds of mail oh with God. him. These copycat a guys. A 1,000 pounds. He's been doing it since 2010. Yeah, they were competing. Yeah. Oh my god! They knew each other for You've sure. You've got to be kidding me! Not a coincidence. How long can I get away with this? Twenty ten. All right. So if anyone out there that's listening knows any mailmen, please anyone in your family that delivers mail, ask them if this is like a common protest among like post offices. Story, I want to so know like, that too. If if they've ever heard a story of somebody just getting disgruntled and. St- storing mail at their house just not delivering or throwing it in the trash or whatever so it's funny my, my wife's aunt is a mail carrier so i'm gonna ask her the next time i talk mm-hmm. to her 1800 pounds of mail between the two of them between right? the you two said, of them. You say, yeah six. but then there's another one there's another guy in italy it's it just happened in 2013 and he was doing it also for four years worth and it was over 800 pounds of mail too yeah, see there's what a limit in the hell Maybe four years is when they get, you get your review. No I'll, one's getting mail in Italy, not even the Pope. I'll be honest. If I were to try and do my job in the easiest way I could think of, that if I was the mailman, that's what I'd do. I'd go clock in, I would pick up all the mail, and then I would just not deliver it. I mean, and then if clock you knew out. that you weren't getting followed up on yeah or caught or followed up on or whatever like if i was trying to do the worst job i could possibly do but still be able to keep my job because i can go down there and clock in and clock out there it is the worst maybe job that's that- just like the natural evolution of a bad associate or even if you're a part of the same post office and you know which route someone else takes route or route whatever you want to say your you say route though yeah i do your route what are you route your route it depends if i'm saying like in a normal sentence or if I'm saying like Route 66, Route 66 yeah. is okay. the only you know thing that is like true. I say it for. But the only everything thing. else, everything yeah. else, I don't know. I'm pretty route. much I'm pretty much solidly route. Yeah, but like, it's a route but tree. It's a route. It's like yeah. you have, are forced to say Route 66. There's no you can't is Route 66. Is that because it's like an idiot? Is that because of the song? <laughs> Probably, but you can't say Route 66. No, no like you can't. But, but if, what do you say in football? You say route. Yeah. You can't say wide receivers out there running his roots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really can't. Get the hell out of here. What the hell are but you talking anyways, about? what I'm saying is, whatever. if you're on the postal service team and you see someone else going their direction every single day and then coming back some funny direction one day, what's not making you think that something is up? How does somebody not complain? So, again, a, a mail carrier has a like a route. Yes. Right? Yes, <laughs> said they this do. a couple times. And 
They do this, the same people, all the time. And they probably deliver to a few hundred people. How do none of the... Nobody complain. (laughs) How how can nobody call and be like... Ring, uh, policia. (laughs) You know someone in the U.S. would be calling that day. Imagine if this happened with our waste. (laughs) Just someone pretending that they maybe want to they go don't, pick up our trash. I don't know. Maybe they don't get mail like we do. You know, there's... In America, in just even the common neighborhood, there would be too many people that would be waiting on money to yeah, come in yes. the mail to where they would not let it go that long. There's no freaking way. <laughs> it would go a week before someone on that mail route had either had a birthday, had an anniversary, had something. Did you get my card? No, I didn't get your card. And then it's going to happen. I didn't get my bill. Oh, I haven't gotten two mm-hmm. things this week. I'm going to figure out what's going on with the post office. Mm-hmm. It would not take that long <laughs> in America. Well, in here we do a lot of like digital scanning now. That's like a big thing the post office uses. Like to when they check set, off that thing. When they set the package on your porch, they have to scan it. So... The second that mm. none of those packages are getting scanned and delivered, that's gonna that's gonna mm. be caught up real fast. I don't know. Maybe they don't have this is the just problems. postal service. The postal service does use the the on site scanning tracking like UPS and FedEx and stuff does now. But maybe the Italian postal service isn't like. Oh no! I'm saying but we were talking about FedEx if this was in America. Oh yeah, yeah, how quickly it would get busted, and it would be busted within two days. So fast. That was a good one. It's time to take a break. Okay. And we'll come back. And uh, we got a whole bunch more, but we'll let Jared kick it off when we come back from the break. Okay. PSB brought to you by DAB. Hey, how's it going, Big Red Van listeners? Uh, my name is Reese Kitts. I'm Garrett Faust. And uh, we're, we're a part of a little podcast called Decent at Best. And what Decent at Best is, is we're a podcast where we ask you guys to send us in questions at our at our email called uh, decentatbestshow at gmail.com. And whatever question you want to ask, you send it in to us, and we'll answer it live on air. And we will answer them with answers that aren't great. We don't promise they'll be good. They probably won't be bad. They'll probably be around Decent at Best. Decent at Best pretty much sums up our show. We don't Google anything. Everything is all off the top. Off the, off the top of our head. So everything we answer is going to be completely first first impression, word association. So tune in to, the, to our episodes, and we appreciate it. See you guys there. Thank you. Everybody, have you heard? So I figured in a true BRV fashion that we had to talk a little bit about what I would call friend of the program, friend of the podcast, Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, he he might not know it, but as much as <laughs> we point out how badass he is, or you guys have pointed out how badass he is, it's only fitting that we bring him up. Um, a- <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we all agree that just the cool shit that he does and spacex and tesla well he's also got some haters okay of course (laughs) so i I found an article that is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out over the course of the next six months 12 months but there's a gentleman by the name of john thompson he's the ceo of vilas capital management and he's been telling his clients that Tesla stock is going to crash in the next three to six months. With what? What grounds? Well, first of all, they've they've been under a lot of criticism recently for the fatal crash of the autopilot. Yeah, I think you guys sure talked a little mm-hmm. bit about that. And then they've had these huge production delays. So Elon Musk is actually personally taking production under his watch now. Right. I heard the same. Um, they had a goal of twenty five hundred a week. 
Teslas in production, and that would be through the end of March. Well, they failed to hit those. So um, this guy says uh, they're going to be on the verge of bankruptcy because they need the capital markets to survive. And so all these investors, you know, with the fatality, they're under a lot of scrutiny and then failing to hit those production deadlines. They need that stock. They need that capital to survive for production because they're not turning a profit. Mm. Um, they're so right. that's this guy's story, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's his story. So, um, and then you know, with some further criticism, the Moody's, the you know main credit rating agency for all of the Fortune 500 companies, recently downgraded their stock rating from stable to negative. And so that's kind of another thing that this guy. So there's a lot of negative outlook on Tesla right now. Are they going to be able to? meet their demands. They're losing $20,000 a vehicle. And this guy points out, he's like, well, first of all, they're not going to hit their production guidelines. And they're selling this new model for $45,000 a car. They used to sell for $100,000 a car. So the only way to meet that gap is for your production to, to go way really up. way up because mm-hmm. you got to you got to move a lot of units here. So that's what he says. Of course, in true Elon Musk fashion, he's kind of downplaying it all. He sent out a tweet on April Fool's Day. I'm not sure if you saw it, but he um he you know he pr- played an April Fool's prank saying that the company is gone bankrupt. And he even <laughs> he even said that, like we he's like we're through all of our Easter eggs and we we are more than bankrupt and something to that effect. So he's. <laughs> That's he's good. totally blowing it all off. He, I, I feel like he's he's going to come up with something, right? He's, well, he's going to figure this out. I wonder how much, uh, during this guy's research, I wonder how much he found of a profit that Tesla has turned up to this point. Zero. Mm-hmm. Tesla hasn't turned a profit yeah. since their inception. Like mm-hmm. they're they're so they're already so far negative. So for him to say that they have to turn this and ha- they don't mm-hmm. have to do they yeah. that's not the model that Elon's built his company on. So that that would be the first thing that I personally, knowing mm-hmm. the little bit that I do know about Elon and uh, the way he does things, I would say no. I, I'm not worried about that. Plus the stuff with SpaceX, you know, they they've already have ten billion dollars worth of contracts of, to launch things into space. Probably that's paying for the things that they do with SpaceX. But with all of the regulation in China of electric vehicles and all of that to happen, I, I think this is kind of like a doomsday thing. This is this guy screaming. So Elon, I'm with him. I would just ignore it kind of as a thing yeah. like whatever. It's we're not going anywhere. Our stocks will go up and down, but just wait until it passes in China 100% that you can no longer manufacture or sell a gas-powered vehicle in China, the world's largest oh, yeah. car market, where you can only you can still drive one, but you can't manufacture or sell one there. Right. You can't import it into China. Mm-hmm. Only electric vehicles. Tesla stock will skyrocket in a day. Oh, as soon yeah. as that legislation comes, so those people aren't selling well, anything. And then, and, and when <laughs> that when the market share is that that big of a the, that big of the world market share of cars turns to that's what they need. Everyone follows. Everyone will follow. So then, all of a sudden, the U.S. is all electric probably soon after that, just simply because the car manufacturers like, listen, we're going to have to make 75% of our products are electric now. And then just wait you until know. he has all that money and all that capital to put behind his battery-powered homes and then all the solar power and stuff, and then that becomes the new... It, as soon as this regulation comes through in China about cars, 
I think there's going to be a ripple effect. It's going to be very interesting to follow. I think yeah, it's going to be super, super cool to follow. Yeah, and I think I mean uh, this guy's a CEO. He's obviously done a lot better than I have. You know, I'm just <laughs> yeah. Who just, am I? Yeah, for sitting, sure. Just sitting here. Pot- but he also yes. he's a CEO of an investment firm yeah. where he's been able to get yeah. people to invest money on these types of proclamations. Mm-hmm. I'm sure in the past. Yeah. Oh, you've got to give me all your money or dump your money in that and put your money in this because of blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's had his hater blocker, his haters on, you know, for his entire life. That's and, kind of what his job is. Yeah, and that's what the stock market is too, is trying to predict. I mean, every day you see, well, uh, the Dow fell a thousand points because the the U.S. and China trade regulations, all that. So it's all this fear, and okay, well, I better dump this stock, or I better dump that. What I don't think this guy fails to realize is, you know, Elon Musk is a brand. I think he fails to really think about, like, if this was any other company, then you'd look at and say they're failing to meet production guidelines they're doing this they're they're doing that they're under all this criticism yeah you might be worried but i think enough people and all these shareholders are saying i'm gonna keep my money behind elon musk you know what i mean this guy just is trying to get out ahead of that those that are invested in elon are long-term thinkers anyways i mean they're they're all wanting to go to mars with him 20 years from now so it's that's what they've got their mind on that's what elon musk is doing for him tesla is the side project and tesla is the Mm -hmm. solar power part of it so the cars are literally just a a vehicle to get them into some some other avenues Mm -hmm. so no one is selling their tesla stock (laughs) i I wouldn't be if i had it you know i don't have any but if i I wish i had it now's the time for people to buy it if that's if they're going to downgrade it to negative buy it up everybody have you heard about two men that have been put in jail after slaughtering a goat at a german petting zoo because they were just hungry huh (laughs) And that's actually a goat. The goat scream is very (laughs) appropriate for that, actually. Um, So the men, they were both 29-year-old Romanians, and they were recently convicted at a Berlin court for theft and for killing a person's pet. So the two men broke into the local petting zoo uh, in the German capital Hassenheide Park. Hassenheide? Hassenheide. If one of y'all says some silly ass name. (laughs) Uh, It was back on the 18th of February when they did this, but they were just recently convicted. But they killed an Angora goat named Lily. And the zoo is it's a popular attraction for families and children, of course. An Angora goat. Uh, I don't know exactly what kind of goat it was, but they did have a picture with the article of a goat. It was very shaggy looking. I'm going to say that's hopefully what an Angora goat is. A shaggy goat. Mm -hmm. Kind of shaggy looking. Very sage, very wise. We'll oh, almost shaggy. like almost like sheepish, yeah, but goaty, yeah. yes, <laughs> with horns. But anyway, so the the men were arrested after some local people heard the animals like you know like going crazy because somebody was in the pen with them. Okay, um, and so they called the police and said, "I think somebody's over there with the goats." So one of the men, when the police came and busted them, was carrying a knife. And when arrested by the officers, they also found a rucksack nearby containing a goat's leg and some bloody gloves. Oh. <laughs> a goat's leg. <laughs> they just took the leg and they were going to leave. Yeah. I mean, the leg's the best part, the right? goat. That's all we need. Goat's all we need is grab need, his leg. Oh, you need them, them ribs, mm. goat tenderloin. Yeah, what are you le- just taking the leg for? <laughs> I don't know. They are hungry, man. You gotta have so, some, some goat neck during goat the, during the trial. Save, save the neck for me, Clark. Um, the men said that they slaughtered the goat because they had not eaten for days. So I guess these guys were like legit starving. But they had arrived. Well, hey, hold hey. on. They broke into a zoo, a petting zoo, a petting zoo, and like a worse. local park. 
So would you rather them slaughter a gro- goat or grab a chicken and pick it up and swing it around by its <laughs> So they had recently moved to Berlin in January um, and got jobs as construction workers, but apparently had not been paid yet. See why people get like nervous about construction sites around their business. These construction workers are going to come murder my goat. I guess, do they get paid monthly and they're held a paycheck or something like that? Is that, you think that's a thing? Possibly. Because, I mean, they Maybe said they, they, moved there, they moved there in January, and it was February 18th, and they hadn't eaten for days. And they Maybe they... Maybe their contractor won't pay until the job's finished, oh, kind of a thing. Maybe that is it. They don't get their check by mail, do they? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Italy. But anyway, so the two men, they thought that the petting zoo was a farm, is what they said. And makes, they, it, makes it even better, And though. they thought that they were just going to be meat goats anyways. So they were like, they were essentially just like, we're just going to steal this goat. This is how they rationalized eating the goat. Yeah. yeah. Dude, we haven't eaten for a while. There's goats over there. Okay, well, let's go kill one. But we, we can't eat a goat, well, man. The, well, they said that they grew up. But they're up, meat goats. Like, <laughs> it's goats. just a meat goat anyway. In, Somebody's going to eat it. When they grew up in Romania, that was like apparently a thing that they did normally. They had goats and slaughtered goats. Yeah, mm-hmm. Remember when we were kids? Like, we used to kill them, eat them all the time. Like, <laughs> but just take their leg. Let's just go chop his leg off, bleed him out, and let's, let's get out of here. They said that they were really good at killing or slaughtering animals without causing them pain. That's what I mean. Like, bleed him out, you know, yeah. go up and get behind him, surprise him, just... <laughs> get the- Get behind him, surprise him. <laughs> you like choke him out and get on his back. <laughs> just <laughs> pet him, pet him, you know. Pet him. RKO! Yeah. No, Lily! Yeah. <laughs> Lily! <laughs> One of them had a previous theft conviction, and he was sentenced to 10 months in jail, and his accomplice got nine months for his first offense. Hmm. So I guess the second offense only gets you an extra month, nine according months. to this philosophy. You get nine months for killing a goat? Yeah. And eating it? Oh, they didn't get a chance to eat it. Oh. They were just planning on it. They okay. got busted right after the, the goat murder. Oh, they didn't, like, lion, lion style, like, get down there face first in the goat? Oh, God, I hope, I hope not. Slaughter. I hope not. Mm. Everybody, have you heard? So, we've talked about both medical and recreational marijuana and all that goes into that topic many times, whether it's transporting it, whether it's people getting caught transporting it, whatever it is. But we never really tried to get into any of the sciencey stuff about it. So, one main reason for me is I have a couple of friends from college who both do extensive work in the air, in the field, like medically with it. And I don't want to say anything wrong. Plus, I hope to one day have both of them on as guests so we'll let them say their thing but i've read an article and here's a little bit i was able to gather off of the interwebs mixed with a little pre-existing knowledge so cbd or cannabidiol is the part of the plant that gives someone health benefits without having the psychotropics of thc like not making you stoned for lack of a better term. Uh, Basically, they separate the two compounds, stripping the chemicals that make you feel high, and the CBDs uh, that don't have any altering of reality types of effects to them, but they still continue to interact with the brain and the nervous system. I guess... Uh, well, the easy way to look at that is uh, the CBDs are more of the the narcotic side of the drug that makes you feel good, and then what is it, THC, right? Is yes. the, is, the uh, is the chemical that gives you the euphoric psychotropic feeling, psychotropic. Right? correct? It's okay. like you know, high, aloof, you know, whatever you want to use for it. But got it. That's the THC, and THC has been the more common one over the years. But biggest reported benefits without the stoned feel are it's a whole long long list: relief from anxiety, joint pain, post traumatic stress disorder, uh, menstrual cramps, insomnia, nausea, seizures, or just being a grump. <laughs> <laughs> 
So <laughs> some doctors have you quoted... You know what? You're kind of grumpy. Some doctors have been quoted as going as far as saying everyone should get around 50 milligrams of CBD every day. In some everyone? type of form. Everyone. <clears throat> like even people without problems? It, it also promotes like mental health and uh, overall just, just emotional, physical wellness. Just the CBD side. Just the CBD side. Not the side that makes you feel Woo-hoo! any type of mind-altering <laughs> effects. So obviously a lot different than typical buying of like plant buds that people are used to. And I'm sure that people have listened so far have already made the association with smoking weed. This is not what I'm, what I'm talking about right now is not smoking weed. So if you and your brain can separate what you think about when you think about someone smoking weed, that is not at all what I'm talking about. And that's half the problem with these things being able to get furthered in society is people cannot separate the stigma that comes along with anything associated with the marijuana plant. No matter what it is, no matter what its benefits are, it's because of they know of the stoner, you know, stereotype that goes with it. Mm, so true. Uh, it is now estimated by the Hemp Business Journal as potentially being a two point one billion dollar in- industry by the time that Oprah is in office. <laughs> twenty twenty, y'all. Two years. By the time Oprah's in office. Twenty twenty. Two years from now, there is. This is supposed to be just the CBD side of it. The hemp based CBD side of it is a two billion dollar industry because of the medical benefits to it. So that is a seven hundred percent increase from just from two years ago. The state of California alone saw the local demand for it jump by fifty times in one year. From 2016 to 2017, there are 15 states that allow CBD only, and this is in addition to the 28 states and the District of Columbia that have legalized medical marijuana, and CBD is not specifically defined under the Controlled Substances Act. So that's upholding after the DEA took it to court, suing that it was a Schedule One narcotic and lost in 2003. So the Industrial Hemp Farming Act of 2015 amended the Controlled Substances Act to exclude hemp from the list completely so thus excluding hemp-based cbds as a controlled substance creative so this market is just aching to boom there are well over 800 different types of cbd based products out there from oils uh to chewing gum lollipops massage creams energy drinks energy drinks dude (laughs) jackson is a friend of mine that's going to be on the show and hopefully soon. But he posted a picture on Snapchat of a CBD-based energy drink there in Chile. This is what he does. Like, he graduated from college from it. This kid is a genius. He's literally brilliant. Like, mm. close to max score on ACT, SAT kind of thing. And I knew he'd make something of himself, and this is what he's doing. Like, he's trying to better the world this way. So he's, like, studying in Chile right now. Anyway, hopefully we have him on soon. He'll be able to tell us more of the science behind it. But you can get anything about it. Mm. We've talked about the, like, edible marijuana. Marijuana thing where you can do gummy bears and <laughs> and that's to get high like that's to like recreational you know enjoy yourself and that's not I, what he's in he's in the cbd side of it for medical benefits so hmm. it's pretty cool i even cross-checked this with him before i came over tonight to see if there was anything i was leaving out oh hell i'm pro anything that'll help people get better on if they're sick I mean, whatever. Yeah, and it's hard. (laughs) It's really hard. If it's something that works, then by all means. It's really hard for people to separate anything at all that has to do with marijuana, whether it be hemp paper. That you can you can make paper out of hemp, or rope, or anything. I mean, they they hear hemp and they think someone's smoking pot. Mm-hmm. That's ex- uh, your brain. It's almost like your brain can't associate it with anything else because of the stigma that's placed around it, just in history. So over time is the only way that that kind of thing changes. And who knows? Hopefully, 
that's that's kind of what doctors like Jackson and people like that are going for. So hmm. everybody, have you heard about a festival called Kanamara Matsuri? Whoa, that was that great. Kind of Kanamara Matsuri. Yeah, pretty did much. I, did I get it right? Domo Anyways, this happens in Japan, as you guessed, in a town called oh, no, really? Komaki <laughs> every spring. Do you know what this festival is for, Jared? You already know? You don't mm-hmm. know? No, I All don't. Right. I'm intrigued here. Uh, don't be too much, because this is celebrating penises. Oh, oh here we right. go. Oh, I did see something about this. It's a crotch party right up oh. in here. <laughs> the festival happens every spring, and the main purpose of it was to um, raise funds for HIV charities and all sorts of good stuff like that. But it does not look like that's what they're doing at all. At all. They're worshipping penis. Worshipping. Uh, uh, li- no, literally worshipping the phallus. So they uh, thought that it was a good idea to have the penis involved in an HIV awareness fund? Yes. Okay. So we're talking parades. Yeah, big parade. Okay. As, so like uh, as in inflatables? Even better than that. They, oh, yes. They actually have... There's monks that get involved. I swear I love Japan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this place is so crazy. I, I hope our listeners from Japan actually listen to this part right here so that they can back us up and say, no, this actually does happen. Legit. I went no. two years and ago. I, and I saw a video because yeah. it's crazy, but there are literal monks that will walk in the street and carry this big 96 inch long, yes. 600 pound wooden thing. Thing? Thing. What is it? I've said it enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I was hoping for something dramatic like that because in my head the whole time I'm thinking back to the Gulf War. And remember when Iraq like was showing all their muscle <laughs> and they would literally drive those huge Scud missiles down the street yes. and all the guys marching in front of them. That's what I pictured when I saw that. It's like but them it's just... like rolling these huge penises down the street. Like, that's what I was hoping for. So. And it was a 96-foot-long, 600-pound yes. yeah. wooden weenus. Yes, <laughs> exactly. They have over 50,000 people attend this festival. They start handing out tons of souvenirs that are shaped like a penis. Like penis suckers. They also have, yes, um, lollipops, I bet popsicles. The, the most popular mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Anything to go in your mouth. You Pop, can yeah. you can look up videos online. Japan's sex culture is insane. Nuts. Yeah. Could you imagine the bachelorette parties for Japanese women getting married? They're just going to the penis festival and losing their minds out there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Trying every time you go to a bachelorette party, you see the girls out at the bar with little penis popsicles and stuff. And that's like doesn't pale in comparison to what's going on in Japan. <laughs> that is such a good point. That's true. This is a 50,000 person they, festival. People plan their weddings to be like just a few days after the penis festival just so they can do their bachelorette parties that way. I, b- oh, I yeah. believe it. Yeah. I believe it. So <laughs> we should look that up. The roots from this actually comes from the 1600s when Kawasaki sex workers worshipped this some sort of shrine and they were praying to it to help them stay away from any um, sexually transmitted drug. Or, That's sorry, how they convinced disease. them to do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you'll be good. You can go and bang. The, we're going to make you go have sex with those 500 <laughs> guys. And then you just go to the sh- penis shrine and, and you, you won't clean, get clean yeah. yourself. You're good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> their history of their sexual... Kama Sutra, if you will. Yeah, is insane. Ugh. 
Yep. It's actually kind of a nice thing, but it <laughs> no, was... Jared's well, no, 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 no. Like I was talking about something, something I was going to say. No, no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. So... You can't start like that. I know. That speaking was of a, dolphin sex. Speaking of dolphins. <laughs> no, you, um, you know, penises are actually kind of a nice thing. <laughs> there's actually like a uh, an organization in the U.S. that worships penises as well. It's a um, it's like a LGBT, like trans rights organization and um it's more of a like a support organization but like their whole their front thing is that they like worship the penis like literally they have statues and they have like ceremonies where they like worship the penis but their whole point is like they they, i guess they consider themselves a church but they uh i mean their whole point is to like help underage youth that are like kicked out by their families and stuff like that you know like Mm -hmm. you know they're they're doing good things but it's just like their big thing is that they worship that penis that's like they they uh yeah they have ceremonies and <laughs> that's everything. what they do they just they, just, they, they just, worship that big thing they just <laughs> worship that penis it's true <laughs> i think it's uh i can't remember where they uh the main church is i want to say it was like like honestly like chicago or illinois like somewhere in there but and he says the word church loosely as in yeah. church, yeah. church right. meaning a gathering of people. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know no. exactly what you know. <laughs> so it's my just... crotch party drop was perfect. Yes. Everybody, have you heard about golf stocks? Like, no. What about G U L F? Golf. G O L F. All right. I thought that it was being uh, Sunday of the Masters Championship round. I think uh, at this point of recording, we know that Patrick Reed has won the Masters. Congratulations. Nice. Honestly, yeah. never heard of him, but... Uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, I haven't either. He's the one they call the chubby the chubby one on tour. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. yeah. He's that guy. Did any of you guys watch any of the Masters? I watched I zero of the Masters, but I've, I, mean, I know who Patrick Reed is. I've seen him before. I remember last, it was either last year or a couple years ago, him and Rory McIlroy went back and forth in the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Like, Rory hit some sick shot and then started, you know, the Ryder Cup's fun where they mm-hmm. jump around and scream at the crowd and get people involved, unlike any other golf tournament where you have to have etiquette and all that. Well, Rory hits a shot and goes you mean like crazy. They, they, they're like Happy yeah. Gilmore a little bit. Very there. much. Very much so. They That's where they kind of get their inspiration that with movie, the way that, that they... That movie changed the game of golf. I disagree. <laughs> I think it changed my anticipation of the way golf could be. Like, oh, yeah. obviously, that was an exaggeration, but Tiger made that somewhat a reality, yeah. dude. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Rory hits a shot, goes crazy. Patrick Reed hits a huge putt and then kind of goes back at him and kind of mm-hmm. hit his face and, and all that. I so. remember that. So anyway. Well, anyway, so I found this article online today when I was on Twitter. A gentleman by the name of Alex Myers, he writes for Golf Digest. And it caught my eye because, you know, I like to gamble a little bit. You play it, you play the lines. I play the lines. Yeah. I, I dabble. <laughs> yeah. Dabble in it. Um, but this guy, Alex Myers, actually was on... On Twitter a couple years ago and saw a tweet on there, something that was retweeted, and it was a golfer over in Europe. Um, apparently plays on the PGA Euro Pro Tour and the Challenge Tours, which I guess are two of the more prominent pro tours over mm. in Europe. His name's Dave Copeland. Well, he has almost like a resume on Twitter that's called DC Investments, Dave Copeland. And essentially what he's doing is... You know, this guy was ranked 
38th um, as a rookie on the Challenge Tour over in Europe. So he's a golf pro. He's trying to make a name for himself, and he's trying to you know stake his his claim in the in the industry. So what he was doing was selling shares in himself. All right, you know. So you see where this is. I going. see where this is going. Yeah. So yeah. So it's yeah. Buy me buy low. low. But I promise yeah. you, three years from yeah. now, you're going to be wishing you had me use some DC stock. Exactly. Hmm. And this guy had qualified for two British Opens. This so, is I mean, so br- was- like if I could talk people into buying stock and wait. Like if I could have talked people into this five years ago, yeah. I, I, I probably would have had a legitimate sell. Thirty-five yeah. year old Wade, not such a good sell. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's like buy some stock in me. Invest yeah. in me now. It's cheap. Things mm-hmm. look down, but you know, yeah. I love this. Hold yeah. on. And it- keep going. And then I have a question. I love at the end. So he's got this essentially resume of himself. You know, I've I've played in two British Opens. I PGA Euro Pro Tour. He lists out his stats, and then it says, you know, invest in me and earn some return on your money. So for it was one hundred pounds a share. So think like you know, hundred bucks a share, hundred pounds per share um, to get a stake in this guy. So this golf died. How many stakes did he release in himself? Um, as many as people wanted to buy. And so the payout, and I'll get to it later, but the the payout kind of depends on how many shares that he sells of himself. Okay. So it's very, uh, very expensive to be a tour pro. And if you're not... Sponsored. If you're not sponsored and you're not at the top of your game making huge tournament winnings checks you've got a big expense to play on the tour you're you're essentially funding yourself this is funny i actually heard this on a local chattanooga radio station luke list and someone else that are pros they're from chattanooga went to high school in the chattanooga area and they go on those shows regularly mm-hmm. and it's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year to be a pro okay well, to that, travel all those tournaments yeah. two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year is what you pay to, to be a pro yeah so there's uh, entry fees to tournaments, gas money, hotel bills. I mean, going out and hitting range balls, practicing, all of that goes into it. Caddy. Yeah. All, yeah. all the money that you have to pay for everything, yeah. Yeah. So this guy, and he had people sign contracts, Those are, and they were very detailed contracts. It says that when I'm not playing in tournaments in my downtime, I am training, I am practicing, I am honing my craft. That's mm. part of the contract. And so it was laid out like if the player sells 50 shares, then X amount of winnings goes into the pot. So the more shares that he sold, the more money went into the pool that would be divided up amongst all the shareholders at the end of the year. Okay. And so did he divvy it out at the end of the year or mm-hmm. was it like a it wasn't like a long-term thing? No, it was it was at the end of each year. Huh. And so all of his tournament winnings would go into one like account one bank account that was managed that pooled this money together that would be distributed at the end of the year and the guy was i mean very uh detailed on you know gas money entry fees hotel bills will all be at a minimum of this much per month so he's not staying in five-star hotels he's not you know putting a bunch of gas in like a you know a hummer you know he's being very thrifty Hmm. and um so that was all part of the contract well this guy bought two shares so um 200 pounds worth which comes to i think about 250 american dollars and so he lays out this whole story and talking about well like you know i'm tracking this guy on my phone at all hours of the night he's because you know british with the time difference he's tracking this tournament something to root for i mean think about it's like a lottery ticket if this guy makes the british open and were to 
finish in the top three, four, you're going to get a lot of return on your money. It's mm-hmm. like so, if he yeah. were to finish in the top five of the British yeah. Open, he's making over a million dollars. It was like the guy that bet $25,000 on Michigan at the beginning of the tournament when they were like 400 to one odds or something ridiculous. And so he held this ticket. And then the night of the national championship game, he ended up hedging his bet, thankfully for him. But so all this be told... I was thinking, okay, well, tell me about this guy. Tell me you made some return on that money. No, it actually came out to where each person, uh, you know, their their payout at the end of the year was uh, $64 per share. So for this guy, he got $128 out of his initial Two, so two, or 128 pounds out of his initial 200 pound investment. Yeah, so 64 percent uh, or 64 cents on every dollar they got yeah, back. Yeah. yeah. So he he lost a little money, but he was talking about how fun it was to follow this guy. And so yeah, you hit one of them diamonds in the rough. It could. Uh, or if you also, if there were more investments into the guy, then you mm-hmm. never know. I mean, maybe it would have been less than that because there would have been more money to exactly. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. win, lose, whatever, and. I would yeah. be interested in seeing like a futures kind of thing with these types of young come up players mm-hmm. on these younger tours, yeah. you know, before they get to the big PGA tour. Like yeah. bet on, you know, that you can take out a five year stock option in me. What kind of confuses me a little bit with him uh, being so detailed about it is how he doesn't have a limit number of shares to determine the payout amount. Mm. I feel like you have to have like he. I sell 50 shares to Malcolm, I sell 25 to Hayden, I sell 35 to you. I have to know how much I have left because there's a percentage holder, correct? Like Malcolm mm-hmm. would be a higher percentage holder than you would and then Hayden and so Oh on. yeah, it's so it, it's, but it's ultimately like, the athlete would have to be the CEO so to speak and be at 51% or higher of the available shares. Well, so, yeah, and I don't think they even get that deep into it. I think it's because just it's like, too new, but I, yeah. I I would think that you would have to get to it at that point if you were getting serious people to invest in you. Oh, yeah. you think? Yeah, yeah, I agree. What I was going to ask you about is why can't this happen to our pros over here? Oh, I bet it could. Oh, and there's, the other, there's nothing stopping them from they doing just, that. Or better, yeah. Sponsored. They yeah. get sponsorships well, all very like a, easily. He's being like an up-and-comer like kind say, of person. Or any of us just getting to have stock in a player on the tour. Well, why can't we just buy stock in people? That's what I'm saying. Like a regular like, person. What if why we can't just have I, stock in LeBron James? Why can't I meet an incredible cashier at Walmart? And she's 16 years old. And just have stock yeah. in And her. me just get a feeling about, and obviously I don't know about it. She might go on to be an aeronautical engineer somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I bought stock in her when she was 16. You Imagine. Know? Imagine if that's the future. Like you on yeah. No, but you, I'm the being internet. serious. Me too. Like on an, you have like an Instagram type of profile where you can go on E-Trade and I can buy me yeah. some Malcolm McKenzie stock. This, guy, this guy's going to do something. <laughs> this I, yeah. this okay. just gave birth to a crazy idea. I'm just saying, you literally just pick out a high school basketball player or of a course. high school athlete. Of course. You realize that that athlete is going to be someone. So you buy stock in them. And maybe Venture capitalists would be all over the elementary playground. <laughs> oh, my word. Dude, that's, that's what this FBI scandal's all about, the NCAA, really. Right. I mean, uh, let's I mean, be honest. Right. It's like True. we're giving this guy 50000 because he's going to sign with us in three years, and I'm going to get... Three percent of his annual and good you know, for the kid if he didn't because he got his he got his when yeah. he could when yeah. things yep. were when his market value was high yeah like and you know what if this cash this mythical cashier I'm talking about 
Walmart, their market value is highest when they're 16. What if it's all downhill for her from there? <laughs> yeah, but she's got a lifetime investment from Wade Van Hookie. That's you how know? the stock market goes. And I can but it's how it, that's how it yeah. goes, though. Yeah. So, gosh, anyway. It's all hey, a gamble. We're, we're going to go along with this one because, uh, Jared, you didn't come all the way from Kansas for nothing. But we do need to take another PSB break. And this one, uh, best sandwich you've had lately? Quick. Uh, the smokestack from Quentin's. Ooh, Lawrence, it's got a. Uh, no one knows Quentin's, so tell us the smokestack. It's, uh, Lawrence, Kansas. It's uh It's got turkey, ham. It's smoked Gouda cheese uh, on it, and then yeah. it's it's a homemade like honey mustard sauce on it that has a little spice, a little probably horse a little radish, spice, a little horseradish in it to give it a little kick, mm. but. It's yeah, it's an amazing sandwich. Mm. Have you had a chance to listen to any sandwich cast shows? Not yet, but I've got to get around to I've got so many podcasts I'm behind on and but I need to yeah. Listen that, to the one with the uh the Russian the Russian guest. The Russian okay. Yeah, the Russian guest. <laughs> well but done. uh anyway, uh here is uh German actually. German Russian or Russian. It's a little both spoke. <laughs> hey big red van listeners, I'm Levi Johnson, brother of Hayden Johnson, who I believe you're listening to right this very second and i have a podcast about sandwiches with my good friend walt braley and i will be filling in as interim host while joe blackstock is off traveling through time yeah joe has gone back in time to find the first sandwich so you can hear about those escapades in the upcoming episodes of sandwich cast so listen to us you can find us on itunes and you can follow us on instagram at, at sandwich cast pod sandwich cast sandwich cast it's in your mouth Everybody, have you heard about a British man who lost three toes to frostbite while in the Yukon? He says he can't think of a better place for the digits to, the digits to go than into people's drinks. Huh? What? Whoa, 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 whoa! How? Do, what? Yeah, you heard me right. How, save how your, save your questions. Okay, I will answer them all. I'm sure before the end of this. Perfect. I mean, you can ask me questions, but if I'm, no, you go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. Nick Griffiths. That's his name, Griffiths. Plural. <laughs> Plan- He's of the Griffiths. He plans to donate his amputated appendages to the downtown hotel in Dawson City, Yukon, which is home of the famed Sour Toe Cocktail. They put literal toes in drinks? Yes, sir, they do. Okay. Um, I said I wouldn't ask a question, so and I he couldn't was, help myself. He was excited, and he was thinking about his grandkids, and he said it would be quite a novelty one day to say that your granddad's toe is in a bar in Canada. Griffith said he spent a year in training um, for the Yukon Whoa, Hard- whoa, whoa. He did this on purpose? No, 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 no. Okay. No. Um, That's my second question. No, I'm sorry. this is... Uh, he spent a year in training in the Yukon Arctic for the Yukon Arctic Ultra, which is a 483 kilometer race that follows the entire Yukon Quest Trail, um, which is one of the toughest sled dog races in the entire world. Okay, okay. not for Balto, but whatever. <laughs> so uh, or Airbud conditions on this day, on the first day of the race, uh, were super tough. The temperatures dipped down to below 40 Celsius, which coincidentally and i didn't realize this until i did the calculation is exactly negative 40 fahrenheit too boom blown your mind because you know there's certain points on the scale where both numbers are the same yeah Mm -hmm. and negative 40 is one of those places oh word isn't that crazy 
I was like, no way, this can't be right. Like, I, whenever I went and like, mm-hmm. typed it into a converter, I was like, what's Because I had to, of course, I couldn't say negative yeah. 40 Celsius. Because negative, nobody would know what the hell I was talking yeah. about. Negative 40 Celsius, uh, like, just <laughs> off tops, feels like negative 120 degrees. Right. You know, you know like, what I mean? Like, in my brain, I'm like, I can't picture how cold that is. Right. So, but it is actually the same as negative 40 no. Fahrenheit. BRV only speaks in Kelvin. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, from this point, from now all on, only Kelvin. into Kelvin. But 30 hours into the race, he was forced to drop out due to uh, the medical officers on duty. Basically, whenever you get to certain points, they come and just make sure you're okay. Hey, dude, your toes are black. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he... <laughs> and you white. Just in a quick... <laughs> I was about to say, what's wrong with that? <laughs> but just in I a... like I had to put that caveat in there. <laughs> yeah, you did. But in a in a quick, you know, just look over of him, he had like tips of frostbite on his ears, on the tip of his nose, like, and so they're like, dude, you gotta, you gotta, you're done, go to the hospital. And, um, but when he See, got they to, don't just pull you out for tips of frostbite. Oh, yeah, and, they do. They, if no, they, if dude, in be, a 480 mile trip through the Yukon, I'm sure that there's like tips 20. of fr- plenty of a little bit of frostbite. Yeah, I they, guess so. They but, pull the guy for toe loss. No, no, no. Like, they didn't see his toes. <laughs> they didn't see his toes at all. They, they saw his, the frostbite on his ears and his nose, and were like, man, you, you need to, you need to just quit, you know. Yeah. You know, go see a doctor. Quit while you're ahead. Yeah, and, your eyes uh, are While freezing. you still have a head. Yes, this is a good way of putting that. And then when he got to the doctor, that's when they were like, "Uh, bro, your toes are not looking good." He was like, "Doc, I couldn't feel it." Yeah, <laughs> it was um, numb. <laughs> and so um, they weren't getting their color back, um, and they were turning pretty purple. And so was the most of his foot. So he was he was not in in a good shape. Um, it, after five days of treatment, he needed an eighteen dollar Heidelberg. He was, at, yeah, to shock those toes back into life. Shock it, um, but just being lazy. They discharged him after five days of treatment and said, you know, it's basically just a waiting game. Maybe they'll come back. Maybe they won't. But a few weeks later, they basically turned totally black and they weren't coming back. Mm. So um, on March twenty eighth, a doctor amputated his toes. Um, Why don't you just crack them off? I don't know if it works like that. They're not really frozen. They're just dead. Yeah, not anymore. So Griffiths has never been to the downtown hotel where they serve this drink, but he learned about it while when he was in the uh, the hospital, a nurse, I guess, was like doing some marketing for this place, essentially. She's just probably, she's a glass half full kind of nurse. Yeah, She's exactly. giving him something to look forward well, yeah, to. That's, you know, that is you're going to lose your toes. That is the unspoken thing of, just a role, of a nurse's role. <laughs> Thank they you. Gotta, they got to be that person that's like also comforting you. They're most your of emotional the time. support. They're your, so, they're your glass half full. So this this <laughs> nurse in the hospital where he was getting treated shows him a video of her chugging the sour toe cocktail. I guess because in conversation, like, sorry, bro, you're losing your toes, but this is funny, right? You now know? I can fulfill my foot fetish with one of your <laughs> <Yeah>. toes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, but but that's how he got the idea. He was like, oh, my God, but this is a real away, thing? Get me away from this nurse right now. I I imagine. She wants my toe in her mouth. Yeah. She's like the gal in misery who like traps yeah. the guy in his bed and beats the shit out of his legs with a I, mallet. I imagine this guy to be a good sport is what I'm I'm going with. He's like, I'm gonna make the best of having to get my toes cut off. What's something funny I could do? You know yeah. what I mean? Like I feel like that's where his head is. Like, what am I gonna yeah. do just to be fun? So According to the hotel's website, uh, adventurous drinkers interested in joining the Sour Toe Cocktail Club should visit the hotel's Sourdough Saloon and ask for Captain River Rat. They then purchase a shot of their favorite preferred liquor, 
pledge the sour toe oath and watch as a dehydrated human toe is dropped into the glass. Then it's bottoms up. <laughs> so they get them from Russia. They just they, toss them uh, out with people these donate them. experiments. So remember, <laughs> Silk this, Road. This, yeah. The hotel is it is in the Yukon. So meaning lots of dog sled races, lots of people with frostbite, lots of people losing toes. So I would imagine that this is just like a stunt that somebody came up with because they'd been doing this since the 70s. This has been a tradition at this bar that they have freeze-dried, salted, dried toes that they will put in a glass and allow you to take a shot of, and then they put it back in the salt for the next person. Wow. That. That, gentlemen. That's a whole other form of badass. The whole time here, I was thinking that this is really weird, and but now, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Like, you earn your stripes. Like, yeah. come on. Like, we're in the Yukon. <laughs> Drink this shit. You gotta take a toe shot. No, you gotta do this. The only rule when taking the shot is... You can drink it fast, you can drink it slow, but your lips have got to touch the toe. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and they also suggest, since the digits are stored in salt, to keep them dried out, he said they pair best with tequila. Oh, my goodness. This also... Now, this is crazy, too. So, uh, when I was reading about this story, there was a link to another story from this same hotel where... A person swallowed the I was going to say, how many people try to be cute and like yeah. put it in their teeth and be like, look at me, selfie! Ah. They swallowed the toe, paid the fine, because they also have like a, a thing. Like That's part you, of the oath. If yeah. you damage yeah. the toe or like do something... <laughs> That's our toe. Now. It is. It's their toe. Like, it's important, you know? And... and but if <laughs> I you... I don't give a fuck about the toe! <laughs> yeah. But there is a rule. You sign a little waiver. It says, you know, I'm, I'm okay with this, and if I damage it, I'll I'll pay the bar this much money because I I screwed it up. Okay, so this person swallowed the toe on purpose, paid the tab or the fine calmly, and left quietly. You need a toe? I'll get you a toe. I'll get you a toe <laughs> with polish with nail polish. <laughs> so um, so he said he most people that lose their appendages due to frostbite. Most of them have been from living donors that had frostbite, like as far as to the hotel. Um, it's harder to find someone to remove them from a dead body. Apparently, nobody wants to give dead body toes up, but people with frostbite gl- have been gladly giving them up over the years. Um, They'll donate their, their organs, but not a toe. I guess so. Yeah. But I guess, I don't know if I'd want people to be taking shots of my toe, but what are you yeah, gonna I guess your, I don't what care. What are you going to use your toe for? Mm, nothing. So shot cocktails. Your toe can live on forever in a bar in Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he hey. uh, he wrote the bar and said, "Would you guys be interested in my toes?" And they said, "Absolutely, sir. <laughs> we take toes. We will take those toes." <laughs> um, so he uh, <laughs> so he put him in this his little, little piggy into the market. <laughs> his little uh, alcohol solution uh, jars and uh shipped them off to him and so now people will be able to enjoy their sour toe cocktails with mr clint kramer i'm sorry i forgot to say his name earlier um but uh questions can i, I have a question <laughs> you can ask a question this is your third this question. is your this is your opportunity to ask questions so are the toes still black oh yeah totally. so he sends them black and oh, you're taking yeah. you're taking shot with black toe there was pictures of this toe not and not not like not like you think I mean like you think I mean. 
Okay, uh, I have a like question a, after like he a, has a question. A frostbitten looking black, like like, oh, gross looking, like just toenail I, toe, I, I dead, yeah. like a dead toe. Like is a better way of putting it. Yeah, I forgot to say this. I'm not taking a shot with anybody's toe, but a dead toe, insult or not. <laughs> so the bar owner. No, thank you. I, for, I totally forgot to say it. this is great. The uh, the bar owner said that the saloon is looking forward to Griffith's toes since they only have <laughs> two at the moment, uh, and they're both pointer toes, and they always prefer the bigger toes since they're the meatiest. Oh, <laughs> man. Gross. Oh. All right. I have another question. <laughs> they probably don't put the pinky in there because it's a choking hazard. Oh. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's one of those things. How in the world are they cleaning these toes? I would have, I mean... You, they're getting shipped to him, like I said, in an alcohol solution. And like yeah, I know, but that doesn't get rid of the hair that might be on this person's oh, toe. That's Not part cool. of the challenge. That's sir. part gross. of it. Yeah, you want or the, the hair. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. No, you don't. Dude, if you're the bar, already, you do. It's already a black, shriveled up, <laughs> frostbitten toe, and you're <laughs> worried about the hair that's on that toe. <laughs> 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 if you're the or bar, the, or the you toe want nail. the hair. Yeah. Uh huh. You want the nastiest, stinkiest, <laughs> meatiest toe. And it's if like, it's a frostbitten toe, there probably isn't a toenail. It's yeah, it's, uh, maybe. Yeah, it could be gone. just done. It's it's <laughs> like the worm in the tequila, but on a whole no. different level. Spectrum, it's like yeah. the most <laughs> god awful looking toe that you've ever seen. And it's floating in your tequila. Yeah. And you got to make your lips touch it. And it has to touch your lips. Everybody, have you heard? We have talked quite a bit lately about movie pass in general, but more specifically about the way they are crazy hungry for that consumer data. So, like, so crazy, they lowered the, sus- the subscription price from $50 to $10 to now what, Malcolm? $8 per month, yep. right? Isn't that what you pay? What? Yep. It's, it's gone $7.95. Down? Wow. Did- it's $7.95. Yeah. What? Enabling you to see one movie per day per month. I'm getting it. Okay, eight, well, I know. Eight dollars. <laughs> I might be cheating the system on this. Hopefully, I'm not. But I only pay like a Netflix subscription where you pay per month. Yeah. I met someone, I'm not going to say their name on air, who is paying for already paid for 12 months worth of movie pass. And they thought that was a good enough deal. I don't do it that way only because if there's a month where I choose to opt out and not watch my Netflix, well, movie pass movies, then. But you only have to see one movie to make it worth it. And I'm, so I'm getting to that. So the other ways for them to quickly collect this highly coveted data include getting more people to subscribe and Mm -hmm. see more movies or buy out other companies that already have those subscribers, which is exactly what they've done here and what I'm about to talk about. For a price of $23 million, only $23 million, MoviePass successfully completed the buyout of MoviePhone. You guys ever heard of Mm -hmm. MoviePhone? Yeah. Hmm. Who currently has 6 million monthly users and has been in existence since 1999. Who still uses MoviePhone? Well, I mean, there's 6 million people. that MoviePhone was where you could go check movie times, right? Right? Yeah. Instead of having to call the theater. First of all, do you all remember having to call the movie theater to get the movie time? Do you remember having to be like... Listen. You had to have the pad of paper and the pencil. And yep. you had to be like sitting there and you'd dial and then you'd have to wait until it called for the movie you wanted and and then you'd be like, All right, showtime's are okay, we'll go Yes. Seven PM, nine thirty. You know, and you had yeah. to you had to be on point because if you screwed up, you're like, Damn yep. it, I if missed you get it. Like, I'm so glad you that you remember back. that. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't remember this oh, at all. Oh man. Yeah. yeah, that was 
shoot. That was a big frustration as a kid. You have to hang up the mm-hmm. damn phone. And if you ever call because they only had so many lines, mm-hmm. I guess before they went fully digital like you're talking about, but they only had so many lines, so there'd be sometimes you'd be calling it'd be a god dang busy signal. Yeah. It's like I just want to know what time <laughs> yeah. Star Wars is on. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Um but back in nineteen ninety nine when movie phone was big and that right there that you just described was huge and it was our our like uh problem the company was valued at 388 million dollars oh yeah buddy and they were bought uh in the past week for 23 million by movie pass i was definitely happy with being able to just go to a website and see the movie times yeah. right it was great but, so but what's the big deal with this right um but with this move they've now taken their subscriber base from 2 million monthly users up to 8 million literally overnight so they aren't active MoviePass subscribers, but they now have all of these people's data. Now they're and emailing them constantly saying, hey, hey, hey. $8 a month. <laughs> and they, who's to say that they're not going to give them a discount because they're already movie phone subscribers? So who's to say that they're going to give them the first year free because we're just going to transfer you over? Hmm. Didn't see anything like that, but doesn't doesn't I don't put it past them. They are not in this to make money. Let there's me, at least let me say free, that. There's at least a free month in there. <laughs> so this is not only amazing for the data-hungry people at MoviePass, but equally awful for theaters, theaters such as AMC and Regal. Like, currently the average price for a single movie across all AMC theaters is around $13.70. Yeah. Compared to the $8 a month that we already mentioned to see as many as 30 movies. Yeah. $8 for 30 movies versus 13 for one. And this abrupt rise in MoviePass subscribers is no doubt going to hit the pockets of the theaters very quickly. Remember when I first brought them up, it was how it was MoviePass, not the theaters that were losing tons of money in the ticket exchange. MoviePass pays a slight discount off retail price for each ticket to each movie, but at the scale of 8 million people versus 2 million people, the theaters do stand to lose a tons of potential revenue. So it's not necessarily the revenue that is potential. So I have a question before you go on because Malcolm, you have yeah, Movie Pass. I do. Um, example of a Regal Points card where you get like free popcorns and free movie tickets. I use on. that too. You still get all of that stuff too. Yeah. Well, it's, I just Movie Pass is my credit card. Right. So you just scan your so Regal. Everything is the same. I have an AMC card, a UEC card, and a Regal card. So when I go in, I scan one of them. And then scan because if you were if you were going to like a movie a week or something like that, oh, I'm loading have, up on rewards. You would have an unbelievable amount of free things from the movie theater. Like he being Mitch Lowe, this guy I'm about to talk about, he wants it that way. <laughs> he wants it that way. Remember, he was a former head at Netflix. You'd have so many free tickets to bring your friends with you too. Like it's yeah. it'd be insane. He is quoted as saying, "Data is the new oil." And MoviePass will show people how to monetize it. We know your home address. We watch how you drive from home to the movies. We know all about you. End (laughs) quote. From the CEO of MoviePass. When I've been talking about all this data stuff, this, this this is what they want. The front runners for companies that would want all this data are ride services like Uber and Lyft and all restaurants and all malls. Hmm. Any anyone operating those big like CBL malls for instance who operates major malls in major metropolitan areas in big cities around the country, they would be very interested in this type of movie goer data. How much money do they spend this that what days blah blah blah. All of this type of stuff. He he just, he just told you. We know your home address. <laughs> we watch you drive to, from work to yeah. home to the movies. 
Apple has already watched me drive everywhere. Like, as soon as I get <laughs> yeah. my phone, before I'm able to, like, when I get a brand new phone, before I'm able to change all the settings on there and realize what's going on, my phone tells me, hey, it's only going to take you about mm, 25 minutes to get home from here. Like, hold on. Yeah. I did not tell you where home is. So <laughs> yeah. how in the world do you know where my home is, my school is, and my work is? How in the world do you know all that? I did not tell you. Yeah. I've it knows that, where you lay I've your head down. I've gone through that exact same thing. I get in my car after work, and it's like 42 minutes to home. And I'm like, yeah, hold on. I'm, like, I'm not going home yet. <laughs> yeah. like, it makes me... I'll drive the other way just to mess with it. Like, this is freaky. Like... Yeah, where are, you, where are you going, Jared? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have that setting off of my phone. The only thing, if I were Movie Pass, what I would do with the data is find out where all of your movie watchers live, and then build theaters closer to that area. So if you find out, oh, all of your movie watchers are actually in this community, but they're all making at least a twenty-mile commute. Let me go ahead and build a theater right here for yeah, them. But, but see, MoviePass doesn't even have to do that. All MoviePass has to do is sell that information. Oh, that's true. They don't. All they have they they just, don't have to do anything. They're at just all. in the. They in say, the, "Yo, Regal." They are <laughs> raking it in right yeah. now. They're gonna sell it all. <laughs> you give me like twenty million dollars, I'll give you the best spot ever. Yep. Oh, they have a they have a deal with Costco too. Apparently, if you have a membership with Costco, you're getting some sort of movie pass discount as well. Yeah, because you need a discount off of eight dollars a month <laughs> to see. I don't know to see thirty movies. I mean, it's in, that's incredible. If it's, it's what, like six dollars for them, I I can't like, imagine. Like I'm sitting here saying, like, even if me and my wife had movie pass and we only, only see two movies a month, let's no, say I mean, that. Like, no, I mean like even both. Like with the price of movie tickets, a monthly payment is just one ticket for one, one of us. Yes. movie for one. one of us just one yeah if we went once a month mm-hmm. yeah That's it is crazy. it is become That's the thing where it's it. like dumb not to have it you know <laughs> yeah. like i wish i could come up with a business model <laughs> with that with one day where i come up with something where it's dumb not to have what i have <laughs> <laughs> i wish movie pass existed when i was in my 20s yeah, oh, honestly, I, me was, too. I, I used if you're to go to the movies all the time and hanging with out. my yep. friends and my roommates and stuff. If we all had movie pass, oh my god, like we would have saved so much money. Well, that's the thing because you used to we used yeah. to save up money to go to the movie on a Friday night, and it was yeah, <laughs> it's just god, or if for whatever reason. I it's disgusting I promise, makes I, me sick. <laughs> I promise you, I don't do this. But say I wanted to share it with a friend. All my friend has to have is the account as well, and we could share the same account. And as long as we both have the app, and I just hand off the card to him, and he goes to a movie for the day, I can't go to a movie that same day. But I can wait till whenever I get the card you back. You can wait till tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i just get the card back, and then go see a movie. So you're saying like they could just be signed in as you on their app, and then have the card, and they're good Correct. to go. Correct. Nice. Yeah, and then you could just pass it along to thirty <laughs> friends. Yeah, let's all go watch the movie. Knock that yeah. down to four dollars a month. Yeah, <laughs> with your roommate. Knock that down to where well, you guys I mean. are paying I'm, me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is my scheme oh, yeah. over it's here. Your membership. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you guys just give me two dollars. I'll give you the card. Mm. Any of my friends, you give me two dollars. You could end up making like what. 60 bucks a month? Honestly. Positive yeah. $50 a month if you got someone to go see a movie every day? I mean, if someone is on normal, like you said, paying $13 just to see one movie, 
why don't they just pay you two bucks two dollars <laughs> yeah. yeah and then they go see the movie uh-huh. that's it i let them do it i think we got the start of the uh. pyramid scheme over here <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh that was fun um but Again, Jared didn't drive or fly and then drive all this way to uh, just do one part. So, you guys got any questions for him? Oh, we going we gonna get him. You gonna get him? Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely definitely a couple things that we need to talk about. Thanks for joining us. For have you heard, Jared? Thank you everyone for joining us, and uh, we are gonna catch you on the next one. Mm-hmm.